0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 31. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah, verse 4, to his flock in the field. I think he tried to get some distance from the rest of the family and said to them, I see your father's attitude that it is not friendly toward me as formerly, but the God of my father has been with me. Jacob said, your your dad's attitude toward me has changed, but God has been with me. And no matter how the winds blow in your life, brothers and sisters, no matter if people's attitudes towards you change, God loves you. His love for you is not conditional. If his love for you was conditional, he wouldn't have chose you. Amen? His love for you is based upon a decision that he made. He decided to love you. Not because I was so lovable, but because God is good. Not because Jacob was so lovable, I mean, if, if God had the pick of the people on the planet at the time, Jacob was not the most, uh, you know, righteous dude on the planet. Amen. He wasn't the man with the highest integrity, but he was God's choice. And the Bible says, for us as believers, God has chosen us. So Jacob shares this. He goes, look, your dad's attitudes changed, but God has been with me, and God is faithful. And you know that I have served your father with all my strength. Now, it's always good when you could say to your family, you know what I've done and back it up by actually what's happened. If these were hollow words, if every time the wives had walked by Jacob, he was kicking back and not doing the work that he had agreed upon with Uncle Laban, then they wouldn't have borne witness. But he said, look, you know, I've served your dad with everything that I have. Here's an application point for us as Christians. We're called to work hard. We're not called to work um, you know, ridiculous hours at our job. We're not called to be a doormat for people, but we are called to be people of integrity. And this is something that I think this is a work that God had done in Jacob's life. Jacob had learned to work hard. And he said, I gave everything to your dad. And look, there were many days and many nights when Jacob could have said, You know what? This guy is a jerk. You know, he doesn't deserve my best. You ever been there before? (laughs) Some of you may have employers right now where you're thinking those kinds of thoughts. Uh, I'll tell a personal story here because it may have some value to some of you. I've been fired from one job in my life, and I deserve to be fired. And I uh, was a little bit out of high school, and I had grown up in a pizza parlor. My family had chains of pizza restaurants, and I was getting some supplemental income, and I decided to work at this little takeout pizza parlor. And it was pretty much a one-man show. They wanted you to answer the phone, make the pizza, work the counter. And I just wasn't keeping up, because when I showed up there, I didn't even really want to be there. And they noticed. And they fired me. And I was like, <gasps> But I really had nothing to say. They were actually right. And you know what? Some of those lessons in our lives can be really good for us. Because if you get fired from a job, you know what it does? It causes you to do some soul searching. And maybe you have to do some business with yourself and say, you know what? What was I not doing that these people saw that was an issue? And In this case, it was probably most of what I was not doing at that job. But Jacob goes on to say, he says, Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, would you notice, God did not allow him to hurt me. In verses 4 through 16, the dialogue between Jacob and his wives God is brought up seven times in the conversation. Each time Jacob points out something that was a wrong in his life, something that was done that wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't treated fairly or well, he always falls back to God, what God did for him. And I think we need to do that. I think when we we can go down a list sometimes and, some of you may really relate to this. You go down a list, maybe you come to the end of your day and you go, well, this didn't go right and that didn't go right and this and that person. And you go down this list and that, that person looked at me with a cross eye and I got cut off on the freeway and I got to the frozen yogurt. They're out of my flavor. There's frozen yogurt again. I must want it <laughs> later, right? And you're kind of like, Well, is anything good happening in your life? I mean, you live in America. You did have a car to drive there. You had the money to buy the yogurt. I mean, want to talk about some good positive things? No. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you later. You know, from the front row here, there was a, a question about a favorite flavor. Uh, it's happened that I've said some things from the pulpit, and then quickly things end up in my office. So, uh, But I don't want to do that right now. <laughs> he says, look, your dad's been unpredictable, but God has been predictable. Your dad has changed, but God doesn't change. You know, I look at the landscape of our world. I look sometimes at the blowing winds of uh, even the life of the church. And it's like we want to change with every wind of doctrine. Oh, oh, these people think that, then oh, we better change. These people think that, we better change. Look, some change is good, but there's change that's not good. If it's change for the sake of change and it's not based upon what God wants, that's an issue. And so God says to us as New Testament Christians, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 11, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. This is who you are. You've been called out of darkness into light. You are to proclaim his excellencies, but still understand, watch out for your flesh, because the things of the world in your flesh, they'll wage war against your soul. So look at verse eight. If he spoke. If he spoke thus, and Jacob's now talking about their father Laban, the speckled shall be your wages. Then all the flock brought forth speckled. And if he spoke this way or thus, the striped shall be your wages. Laban speaking to Jacob, then all the flock brought forth striped. So you know uh, Jacob had mentioned that Laban had changed his wages ten times, and I think this is this explains it. And here's what it was: Laban would say, "Okay." Uh, this week, the speckled will be your wages. And then all of a sudden, the flock produced all kinds of speckled. And Laban went, hmm, a lot of speckled around here. You know what? I'd like the speckled for myself. I'll tell you what, Jacob, let's have another meeting. Come into my office. This week, the stripe shall be your wages. And then the flock would start producing the stripe. And that may be an oversimplification of time. But anyway, that's what was happening. And so each time a pronouncement was made by Laban, it would fall into Jacob's favor, and then Laban would try to take Jacob's blessings, and he changed the wages 10 times. But each time, God said, no, I'm going to bless Jacob. Look at verse 9. Thus God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. Jacob saw the hand of God and the blessing of God on his life. Now how do you think the two sisters are going to respond to Jacob? Jacob's saying, God has done this. And it came about at that time when the flock were mating, Jacob's now going to tell about a, a dream that he had, that I lifted up my eyes, and I saw in a dream, and behold the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled. For I've seen all that Laban has been doing to you. Sometimes when we're going through stuff in life, we feel like, you know, this person's getting the upper hand in my life, and does God see what that person's doing? And God says, Jacob, I see everything. And by the way, just Bible students, here's a side note. The angel of God, look at verse 11 is God in verse 13. And oftentimes when you see an appearance of this angel of the Lord, or sometimes here, the angel of God, it is an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. What we might call Christ before the manger. Because remember, Jesus is God and he's eternal. When he became a man, when he was born in Bethlehem, he took on the additional nature of humanity but he did not subtract his deity at any time. He's God and he's always been God. And here, the angel of God appears to Jacob in this dream, and of course, the angel of God, being Jesus Christ, um, would come from this line of Jacob, so there's an interesting connection. And this angel of God says, I am the God of Bethel. Bethel means house of God, which where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me, Now arise, leave this land and return to the land of your birth. A further um, affirmation of how Jacob was feeling. And so he says, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow. Now, if you guys just go back um, a couple chapters with us, right at this moment, you remember that this is the place that Jacob saw his famous, what, ladder, And he had the dream, and he saw angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And after that dream, God made promises to him. God was above the ladder, and he promised that he'd be with him. He promised that he would bless him. He would give him the land. He would give them, give him a multitude of peoples from his body or a people from his body. And Jacob, in response to that promise, made a vow. He anointed a pillar. He anointed the rock, and he made a vow. And God says to him, uh, I know what you did there. I know what your vow was. When you made a vow to me, when you anointed that rock, when you signified that place, I was there. Do you know, brothers and sisters, that God hears when we make a vow? Have you ever come to a turning point in your life? Maybe God did something really special in your life and you said those words, Lord, I promise I will serve you the rest of my life. And sometimes we've made some big promises to God. And, you know, in our current culture, we do make vows at times, like we vow to be faithful to our spouse. Sometimes we'll vow to tell the truth in a court of law. And we'll say, so help me, God. And our society doesn't put much value in that, but God values a person's vow. And of course, we're warned in the New Testament not to make silly vows. Jesus said, just let your yes be yes and no be no. Don't start vowing stuff. It worries me when people you know, are throwing vows out all the time. It's a concern. Just. Live by the Holy Spirit, live by the word of God, and let your yes be yes and no be no. But here, at an important turning point in Jacob's life, he made a vow and God heard the vow. And it wasn't about Jacob's great maneuvering or his great work ethic, it was that God was blessing him. What's the message? I'm with you. I see. I'm going to continue to thwart Laban's plan. I'm gonna continue to have my hand of blessing on you. I've seen what you've gone through, and I'm gonna faithfully uh, finish what I started in your life. The favor of God was upon him, and this place Bethel, as I mentioned, means house of God. It's in the midst of the promised land, and this is where God had made a promise to Jacob. Ecclesiastes chapter five, it says, when you make a vow to God, Ecclesiastes five, four, do not be late in paying it, for he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. Ecclesiastes five, five says, it is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. He says, do not let your speech cause you to sin. Do not say in the presence of the messenger of God that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry on account of your voice and destroy the works of your hands? For in many dreams and in many words there is emptiness. Rather, he says, fear God. Look, if you fear God, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, and the fear of the Lord will keep you from doing dumb things, amen? That's 2nd Michael, chapter one, verse (laughs) one. Fear of the Lord will keep you from doing dumb things. And Rachel and Leah, verse 14, answered and said to him, Do we still have any portion or inheritance in our father's house or left to us in our father's house? 15, are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has also entirely consumed our purchase price or he has devoured our money, ESV, or... Pretty much, he has consumed our dowry. After Jacob was done, the two sisters or daughters said, amen, Jacob, he is a rascal. Wow. When you have your wives confirming what you're feeling and confirming what their father's like, you know that there's something obvious going on. Sometimes it just takes the first person to say something about the obvious, and then the rest of the people say, yeah, that's right. He is a rascal. And Laban was. uh, By the way, you just might want to mark in verse 14, this is the first time Rachel and Leah agree on anything. Just a note. Right? They were fighting all the time, wrestling over the husband, over who had what children. But one thing they could agree upon, dad had not treated them well at all. One writer says, the price of the bride was supposed to be held in trust in the event that they were, the wife was abandoned or widowed. So when a father got a dowry uh, for his daughter, he was supposed to hold that money or those possessions so that if her husband died or abandoned her, she had something to fall back on. And the two daughters say, or the two wives say, he's taken it all. I don't know if this means that he increased his personal holdings with it, but one thing that they knew, what what Jacob had done and how long he had, had he worked for both of them, 14 years. Can you imagine 14 years of paycheck, gone, your only fallback, your dad has taken it. You know, we have families in our world, there's something left and it's inheritance left for a child or something and then... Families get in all kinds of trouble over money, don't they? Manipulation and terrible treatment of people can often happen over money. The two daughters knew what daddy was up to. You see, for Laban, it was all about him. They felt more like possessions to him than daughters. It's not hard to see through people like this and family usually pays the biggest price. In fact, I think we could read between the lines and say that these daughters resented their father. They felt like just a possession to him. And sadly, you know, these kinds of things happen in our world. There are people who have, you know, experiences with parents and, and they're not good. And sometimes even kids feel like they're just a problem for their parents. And these two daughters just pretty much felt used by dad. But again, we go back to the faithfulness of God that even when our parents let us down, God is our father and he won't abandon us. Surely all the wealth, 16, which God has taken away from our father belongs to us and our children. Now then, here's the two wives. Do whatever God has said to you, okay? You know what, Jacob? We see something pretty cool here. When God's given you all this stuff and basically taken it away from our father, it's become ours too because we're married to you. So this is pretty cool. We've all gotten payback on wicked Laban. Ding dong, Laban is dead. The wicked Laban. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) It's payback time. Look, eventually, the chickens do come home to roost when people are doing this kind of stuff. It comes out, and so they saw God's hand in it. They saw that God was working, and the ladies decided that, yes, we want to follow you, hubby. The Bible says, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so Jacob says, look, we're going to break free from your dad and all that he's done to all of us. And Jacob arose and he put his children, 17, and his wives upon camels. He drove away all his livestock and all his property, which he had gathered, his acquired livestock, which he had gathered in, in Padan Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. When Laban had gone to shear his flock, the, then Rachel stole the household idols that were her fathers. Now, this is interesting because this family has Semitic origins, and you would think that they would all be centered around the worship of God. But remember that where the original call came for, for Abraham and where Jacob originally or uh, eventually returned to was the area of Mesopotamia, which is very much steeped in idolatry. And here, Rachel goes in and steals her father's gods. It's always a problem when your god can be stolen. (laughs) You may want to reconsider your gods if he can be stolen. Now, we we have a scripture in 1 Samuel 19.13. We won't go there for the sake of time, but when... Saul was trying to kill David. It says that Michal, David's wife, took the household idol, laid it on the bed and put a quilt or a pillow of goat's hair on its head and covered it with clothes. This would indicate that some of the idols were large and and some scholars that say they were even some human figures. But these idols, we're going to find out in the story, were relatively small. But this may explain a lot about Laban. See, Laban was an idol worshiper. Laban was a man who tried to appease other gods and we even have seen in a previous study that he practiced divination. He tried to divine things. You say, what's divination? Divination is to try to find out things about the past, present, or future by occult practices. It's something that people in the occult try to do. They try to go behind the veil, as it were. They try to get a glimpse through whatever spirits will give them insight into the past, present, or future. That's what the occult is. And when you start messing with the occult, God says, if you mess with that, it's an abomination to me. In fact, God said, when you go into the promised land later in the book of Deuteronomy, I do not want you to uh, copy or mimic the abominable practices of those people. When you open up yourself to the occult, you open yourself up to things that are occluded, things that God does not want you to mess with, things that sometimes can invite dark spirits into your life. And there are people in this world who could testify to you tonight that they opened that door and it got ugly. And it's a door that you don't want to open. And maybe that's why Laban was the way he was. He seems like just some secular, you know, terrible boss, but he was messing and dabbling in the occult. And so here's what we have now. We have Rachel going to steal the gods. Why did she do that? Why do you think Rachel stole his gods? Some people say it would give her a right, Perhaps to a family inheritance or something like that. I don't know. Did she do it just to spite her dad? Did he see these as good luck charms or of some sort? Did she want to just kind of give a final, you know, ribbing to him? I don't know. But she took them. And it says in verse twenty, and Jacob tricked or deceived Laban, uh, the Aramean, by not telling him that he was fleeing. Would you have told Laban that you were leaving? I wouldn't. He packed the bags in the middle of the night and it was like, time to go. One writer says there's a word play in verses 19 and 20 that indicated deep mutuality of Jacob and Rachel in their actions. In Genesis 31, we see Jacob finally leaving Laban. And he gets up and he goes while Uncle Laban is away. Does it in a deceptive way and Certainly has his reasons. Uncle Laban is a manipulative, unreasonable man. And Jacob flees with all that he has, his wives, his family. And Uncle Laban pursues him. And when we talked about, in a previous message, we talked about leaving Laban. We talked about how we have Labans in our lives that hold us back, manipulate us, keep us down. And it's time to make a break with Laban. But whenever you make a break with the old life, we can be assured of something that those things can tend to pursue us still. You know, early on in the book of Genesis, we saw sin as uh, crouching at the door, seeking to master us, but we must master it. And here is Jacob is moving on, really moving on to a new life. He's about to get a new name. He's about to wrestle with God, but he's also going to have to wrestle with his past. He's going to have to face his brother in an upcoming message. He's going to have to face the things of the past. And we, when we make a break with our Labans, quote unquote, sometimes they will pursue us. And sometimes they will try to bring us back into the fold, if you will. And we have to make a clean break and it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a wrestling match. You're going to have to know that for most people, folks, we don't change necessarily overnight. Change comes little by little. Sanctification is a process. And so you may be being pursued by that old life, and you're going to have to keep moving in God's direction. And God did, as we see in this message, supernaturally protect Jacob. He he spoke to Laban in a dream. He really told him, be careful what you say to Jacob, because Jacob was God's man. And despite Jacob being a deceiver and a heel catcher and all that he's been, he's a changing man. He's being changed if you will, from one degree of glory to another. And so are you, my brother, my sister. Maybe you're in the midst of the struggle right now. Maybe you feel like you're between a rock and a hard place. Maybe you feel like you're being pursued by the forces of hell. Hang on and keep running to God because God is faithful and he's got your back. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, Or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.